Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Monday, January 9th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The NFL playoffs are here, and the Chiefs are absent from the first round. That's where you want to be, getting that bye, resting your players, and watching games this weekend while others are playing. The Chiefs were assured of this situation by beating the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday. And after the game, star columnist Sam McDowell, along with beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teofi, talked about the game and what it means to have this weekend off. So the show started as a Sportsbeat Live and is now a Sportsbeat KC podcast. Let's get started. Hey, good evening. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live. This is our Chiefs Hoose Game show. Chiefs, well, um... Let's let's answer Kayla's question right off the bat. We want your questions and comments. Um, and Kayla asks, did the Chiefs win? I fell asleep, so I didn't see the end. So the answer to that question is, yes, Kayla, the Chiefs won 31 to 13. And we're here to talk about it with uh, Herbie Teope, Jesse Newell and Sam McDowell. Maybe Vahe Gregorian will be with us. Maybe not. You never know with Vahe. But, uh, but we've got enough here to talk about and uh, with whom to talk about it with. So let's, let's discuss what happened tonight. Um, Chiefs, and uh, they, they get the victory, played a pretty clean game. And, uh, and Sam, I want you to kind of put into perspective uh, this regular season. And as the Chiefs go into the playoffs, what finishing 14-3 and three means to this team uh, beyond the fact that it's the second best regular season in club history, topped only by the 14 and two record of 2020. So in a year in which um, everybody in the, each team in the AFC West was supposed to run down the chiefs and, um, and, and this was and the chiefs were going through transition of their own, they win the division going away. They finish 14 and three, and they were the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. So, how about big picturing it for us? Yeah, I mean, this offseason was was always going to be, I think, pretty educational for this franchise because they took a gamble by extending their championship window. We've we've had that conversation a lot, but as all of us, I, I think, probably were asking ourselves, hey, does this team still have enough in the tank to complete a regular season like it just did? The Chiefs had to be asking themselves a different question, which is, is it worth it? And therefore, I think that would dictate future decisions of the sort. And look, I mean, ultimately, those answers are going to come in the postseason. This team has long passed um, judging it, its seasons by how they finish in the regular season. But it's a pretty good start to wind up. I mean, Blair, you mentioned it, but they tied a franchise record for wins today. And it's not just the division um, competition that was supposed to at least close that gap. And obviously there's some talking heads that had had them surpass the gap. I think all of us thought the Chiefs would wind up as a division champion. I don't think I had I well, I know I did not have them going 14 and three. And I did not have them as the number one seed in the AFC by year's end. Hey Herbie, um you're the one who asked the question that gave us the answer back in August in a dorm room at Missouri Western. Um, uh, we'll play a little Jeopardy here. The, uh, the answer is we're not chopped liver. Um, so the question is, uh, what did, uh, what did Andy Reid think about his team going into this season? Uh, I think 
over the course of 18 weeks, we, we, we got an answer to that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think he said, like he said, chopped liver, you know, we do have Patrick Mahomes and they're going to be competitive. I think if anything, what we learned today was what Chris Jones said. I was surprised. You know, it sounded like he kept receipts, but he said there were some talking heads and he pointed out ESPN and how everybody said they were going to finish last in the division. But, you know, the Chiefs made a statement today, well, swept the conference, which means swept the division this year, beat the Broncos twice, obviously, beat the, the Chargers twice, and, and now the Raiders. They made a statement. Yes, the AFC West, they did load up on paper. The game is not played on paper. The game is played out there on the field, and, and the Chiefs with a 14-3 and record, I think they quieted a lot of detractors. I'm glad to hear that Chris Jones was uh, uh, had been keeping names. That's good. Good to hear. Uh, by the way, if that guy, and I wrote this, if that guy's not an all pro this year, then they should just blow up the award and, and not do it. They had, he's had the best season of his, of his career. We'll talk about him in the defense in a little bit, but Jesse, first of all, once again, you're to be commended on finding the best background of, of everybody. You, you are, you are the King at backgrounds. That is not, um, that's not a screenshot. That is Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. Herbie, yours, yours is fine too. Um, but, uh, but, but, but Jesse always finds a way to get the stadium in the background. That's pretty cool. So um, how about Jesse? We're, we'll talk about Canarius Tony. I know who you, I know you wrote about him, but I just want to, let's talk. Okay. And Herbie switching so we can get a better background. I'm glad to see that. Um, just, just some general thoughts on the game, Jesse, and and the fact that it was a clean, clean game, right? No turnovers, no big penalties. Got to be what Chiefs fans want to see and what the Chiefs themselves want going into a postseason. Real quick, Blair, this is a smart move for me to show the background, except for you to know that I'm standing on a chair in an open air press box where if I fall backwards, it might be 40 feet to my death. So if you guys see something happen off of here, just cut the stream real quick, George. We it would it would be the uh, it would be the best ratings we've probably had on this, this show. <laughs> it'd be, the, it'd be, the, it'd be <laughs> the sidebar I'm looking for. I appreciate that, Sam. I'm I'm glad that this is your entertainment right here. Uh, no, I I agree with you, Blair. I mean, this is sort of what all of us math nerds have kind of been talking about with the Chiefs, which is if they ever stop shooting themselves in the foot, the things that are usually sustainable week to week that they're really good at, which is pass offense, Patrick Mahomes getting first downs, those things that are kind of foolproof that work against good defenses work against bad defenses if they do all that and then stop screwing up the special teams plays and the turnovers you've got yourself a juggernaut and that's exactly what you saw today with the chiefs i mean uh sam talked to it they added in some explosive plays today which uh was a welcome sign they haven't always had those this season to get those chunk plays but yeah you add that on top of a defense that looks to be improving playing well at the right time some rookies gaining confidence chris jones on third and fourth downs, again, I'm, we'll probably mention him later, but, like, the guy just has a flair for the moment. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable just to, like, every crucial moment, it seems like he's coming up with a huge play. But, uh, yeah, this is sort of what the Chiefs are, and this is why they have to be considered one of the favorites, especially now that they got the one seed in the bye, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl moving forward. Now, when I say one of the favorites, it means they're probably 20 to 25% to win. You split that amongst, you know, seven teams on one side and seven teams on the other. But if I was going to pick a team right now, you said, hey – you get one team to pick to win the Super Bowl. Right now, I would pick the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a really enviable spot to be in. Kelly comments, amazing young man. She, of course, is talking about Sam McDowell. Um, and 
actually Patrick Mahomes, who we had on just before the show. So um, it, it was great to hear Mahomes. And in his post-game press conference. We've, I, we've, we've been confused before, though, Blair. <laughs> uh, I was going to say in the press conference, I heard, you know, Vahe badgering Patrick Mahomes about the snow globe play. So um, I, I want to, I do want to get a, that was the most amusing moment of the day. You guys, I don't know if you if you were watching the ESPN feed in the press box. I was watching the ESPN broadcast, and for some reason, the cameras were turned on Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick in the in the in the, in the press box. And Lewis Riddick had to point or, or grab Steve Levy's arm and start pointing at the um, you know at, at the field. That's what the Chiefs were doing there. Uh, I think Kirby, as you called it, ring around the rosy, uh, which was a placeholder until we found out exactly what the what the play was called. Um, what, what is, it just put a big smile on my face. I'm glad it, you know, I'm glad it went for a touchdown, even though it was called back on some kind of phantom holding call. But uh, I would probably ask Vahe this because I think he's writing about it. But what does that say, Sam, about the Chiefs rolling that play out when it's still a game, right? I mean, they're, they're not doing this up 35 to three. I think it was 14 to three when, when it happened. Well, it tells me they either have a variation off of that play they want to show in the playoffs or they just have enough of these in the Rolodex that it doesn't matter that they just showed one here. But, I, you look, I mean, that, that was a really entertaining play. Um, oddly, Jesse, Vahe, and I were all looking something else up, so we caught it on the replay rather than, <laughs> rather than live. So, so nobody so, saw it. <laughs> it was particularly surprising to us to see it. Um, but I actually – I think there's a lot of information off of Kadarius Tony in this game overall. And I think, Jesse, you wrote on him, right? So I'll let you get to it. But I don't remember the last time the Chiefs had a weapon like that developed this late in the year. And the interesting part of that is there might not be a ton of film for opponents that they're going to be facing on Kadarius Tony, But that's a play that I think everybody is probably going to have seen on film by the time the playoffs arrive. So I get back to what I said at the top. It makes me wonder what variation do they have off of that play we just saw in week 18. I think here's the fascinating thing about Kadarius Tony. Uh, I looked it up. Uh, Pro Football Focus keeps the snap counts on these single games. And I was surprised. You want to guess how many snaps Kadarius Tony had in this game? If you were guessing, he had 16. Uh, so for him to have 16 snaps, have three rushes, one touchdown, two receptions, 18 yards, including that double juke move. And then another touchdown called back on, you know, one of his snaps because of that holding call, which I can tell you from talking to Creed Humphrey in the locker room and showing him the replay. Um, we both had a pretty good laugh about that because, you know, like you said, Blair, probably more phantom uh, than not. They're more like a wrestling takedown. Those guys were really blocking on that play. Uh, but, yeah, this, this is a, um, it's a crazy development. And Vi asked Patrick Mahomes about Kadarius after the game, and I thought he gave a really good quote. And I think all these guys are sort of, I don't know what the word like astounded by what Kadarius does, the ability to, you know, the old cliche, like you make you mix miss in a phone booth. I mean, the jukes he makes the horizontal ability, uh, the things that would probably blow out my calves, my hamstrings and all of the, everybody's on this call. What the things that he does, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. And not only that, he ran through a couple tackles. He made the one guy miss on the play after uh, the ring around the Rosie play to, to get that touchdown because there is an unblocked player. And uh, he, basically outran to the sideline. So he has an amazing skill set, and the Chiefs still are only using him 
on about a fourth of the plays, but maybe that's enough. They just need to have him enough in the playbook to give other teams something to think about. And again, for him to display and flash that ability that we know he has now. So I, I asked him in the locker room, I said, you know, Kadarius, what can teams or what can people, fans expect from you in the playoffs? And he kind of laughed and he said, something like today. And so I think something like today this is something that Chiefs fans, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they'd all sign up for that. And Jesse, just because I think it is an important indication, um, and I, I know when you've gone through Tony today, you've probably already looked this up, but 16 snaps today, how does that compare to what he's been seeing recently? Because the reason I bring this up is Andy Reid had mentioned, um, and Herbie, it might have been your question um, on Friday or Thursday, but McCall Hardman's been out for a while. And so whenever he does return, you're not going to see him just suddenly getting 35 snaps in a game. And he specifically mentioned Kadarius Tony's workload as sort of the blueprint for whenever we do see McCall Hardman return. We obviously didn't see him today, warmed up. We didn't see him in the game. Um, but that might be a, a good idea or an indicator for what you will see from McCall Hardman. So that's, that's why I'm asking Jesse just how – um, his snap count has kind of grown maybe over the past month or so. Well, yeah, I and mean, he was out a couple of weeks, remember? Um, they sat him again. Well, it was well, sort of – sorry, sorry, Herbie. Yeah, it was sort of interesting. You know, it's, he had that hamstring injury. It's kind of grown over the weeks. I think he had six snaps last week. Uh, we can get to Herbie here uh, in a second. But, uh, yeah, just kind of ramping up a little bit. You hear Mahomes talk about it afterwards, saying that he's learning the playbook. He kind of came in midseason. It seems like they have him in now for some of those – gadget type plays or some of those plays but when he's in they're utilizing him i mean he's they're utilizing him on basically 30 to 40 percent of the plays when he's out there so it does give teams something to think about you mentioned it sam and I, maybe this is part of what we talk about too with this team and what they did in the offseason is that it used to be okay if kelsey is out there and and tyreek's out there you feel good if one of those guys goes down you start to kind of wonder what happens the chiefs basically had four receivers out there today you know they they, they didn't have mccall they didn't have sky Moore. Uh, Smith Marset played two snaps uh, in non-garbage time for the Chiefs, and what do they do? They rolled out three tight ends a bunch. So I know something that brings a smile to Herbie Tiope's face anytime you can get that 13 personnel out there. But this team versatile, man. I mean, they can put Tony out there, and then they can sub him out and put Blake Bell in. They can go under center and go play action there, or they can go back to shotgun. So all these things that they do and put on tape, it, it might make them a little bit more. I don't want to know if I want to say bulletproof, but it makes them maybe tougher to prepare for this year than they were in years past, just because. They have those weapons, and now you have to prepare for a whole lot. And right now, that includes Kadarius Tony. Hey, Herbie, um, all of a sudden, uh, running back seems you know a concern for most of the year. Nobody seems to be taking the lead. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not living up to expectations. And all of a sudden, now running back uh, seems to be a strength on this team. I don't, maybe it's quality of opposition uh, has, has something to do with it, but Today was pretty amazing, wasn't it? With uh, not only with Tony, but but Ronald Jones, Jesse's guy, Ronald Rojo, getting his, you know, getting his touches and getting into the end zone, and of course, Jarek McKinnon. What can you say about him? The guy's unbelievable with nine touchdown receptions and at least one in, in six straight games. Uh, you, you put him behind that that offensive line, especially the the middle of it. You've got a pretty good running game going. Yeah, you absolutely do. And you, and you talk about the touchdowns today. I mean, all three running backs scored. Kadarius Tony scored. So, yeah, Kelsey hasn't scored a touchdown since week 12. Okay, just out of the way. But the Chiefs are still putting up points. And that's what's impressive about it. Jesse talked about their versatility. When you get into the postseason, it's right. 
and when running back to scoring in a single game, you've got a lot to talk about. And a lot of things to think. Okay, having a little trouble with Herbie's Herbie's audio. We've got a bunch of comments here. I want to get, I want to get to a few of them, and that'll cover a lot of the topics that uh, that I've, I've still has still have listed here. Um, Evie says this is how they need to perform in the playoffs. Totally agree. Um, when a when, when uh, playoff time comes around, I don't think we're going to be seeing anybody's second quarterback, which is um, or Russell Wilson, either one. So. That's going to be one difference that the Chiefs are going to see in in the postseason. They're they're going to get somebody starting quarterback, and that hasn't always been the case this year. Maybe um, we're seeing that the Titans are are beating the Jaguars right now um, with Josh Dobbs. Get in the post- <laughs> yeah, with Josh Dobbs. So it's it's possible that they could beat somebody like the Ravens, for example, in the first round. And that, but listen, that that is a one of the major benefits of being the number one seed is all all weirdness in that first round favors you all those upsets make you have an easier path to the super bowl it does not guarantee that the number two seed is going to have an easier path to the super bowl i mean the chiefs by getting the number one seed we had this discussion on on thursday i'm trying to remember blair the timing of whether or not we discussed how the chiefs arrived at the number one seed on thursday's (laughs) call or not or whether we just proposed ideas i think but um I know there's a lot of people in, in Kansas City that had, had thought that, hey, just because you necessarily don't get – you don't necessarily get the home field advantage in the AFC Championship if you play the Bills, provided the Bills beat the Patriots tomorrow, that the number one seed isn't all it's cracked up to be. But you just won two games today. You beat the Raiders, but you won a first-round playoff game to do, today too. And there's nothing more valuable um, about getting the number one seed that they secured today than that. Absolutely. Uh, Evie, once again, noticed that special teams were back. Uh, absolutely, they were. No, uh, no no, no, fumble on punt returns, no muff punts. Harrison Butker made all of his extra points and the one field goal. So, uh, oh, and I, I thought if there was a special teams player of the game, it's Tommy Towns and two punts inside the five. Great coverage. I forgot who was it. Who was it who caught? Was it Chris Lamont that cut, caught the uh, – caught the punt early and then they downed another one inside the five. So really good stuff there. Um, yeah. I, I actually, so, sorry to cut in Blair. I just had a yeah. kind of a little bit of a funny story. I talked to Tommy Townsend after the game and uh, I asked him about that second punt that you you referenced that kind of landed like around the five and just popped back. And he said, you really don't have any control over the balance of a punt. So he said the entire time that ball was in the air, he thought he could kick it as with as much force as he had because he had 65 yards to the goal line and realized he kicked it so good that the entire time in the air, he's like, oh, no, oh, no, and said that he's just saying out loud to himself, please catch it. He wants the return guy to catch it. So he's just saying, please catch it. When he sees that he moves out of the way, he's thinking, well, crap, this is going to be a touchback. And just he says it's like one of the greatest moments you can have as a punter when you see that ball bounce right back towards you on the five-yard line there. I bet. Uh, our buddy Jack wants to know how Frank Clark is doing. If, if Herbie rejoins us, we'll, we'll get that to Herbie since he is, uh, he is the injury editor uh, on this panel. Um, the only so- thing I'll mention with that, uh, Blair, is he was in the locker room uh, with the team after the game. So uh, that's, a good that, that, that's, that's, not a, that's not a definitive thing to tell you, but that is a thing to tell you that you know he was not taken away to some medical facility. So I would think a precautionary thing, but – uh, Herbie would have the update on that since Andy Reid usually starts his press conference with those injuries. 
Andrew asks, how does the ref call holding on the ring around the rosy play? He demands an explanation. I want the explanation on the pass interference that wasn't called on MVS. <laughs> that was, I'm not sure how, how, how more obvious that can be. There's always, there's always missed calls in every game, but that, that, one seemed, that, that one seemed obvious to me. Yeah, and I think it favors the Chiefs, though, when – I mean, look, that play is isolated, but it favors the Chiefs when a game is more loosely called because their cornerbacks play really physical. We potentially – I think it would have been a bad flag, but not the worst penalty we had seen in the world if a flag's thrown on fourth down in the end zone, um, on, on the interception from Juan Thornhill. And, Jesse, I don't know if you've looked up EPA yet, but those had to be two of the most impactful plays of the game that – I mean, the, the refs chose to let them play today. I think that favored the Chiefs overall, even if not on that specific call. Definitely will favor them in the playoffs. We've seen this with the Chiefs. Uh, you know, you see it sometimes in the playoffs. You dare the officials to make a call. And a lot of times in the, in the playoffs, they don't want to. And I think that's part of the reason the Chiefs Spagnuolo's defenses sometimes tend to have that uptick toward the end of the season. And you saw today, man, Chiefs cornerbacks were physical. You saw Jalen Watson, uh, especially on the outside there. Uh, they were jamming those guys and, and daring them to get off the line of scrimmage. So, uh, that could be something that maybe kind of plays to the Chiefs' favor here moving forward if the refs follow their whistles a little bit. And like I said, human nature is that those uh, officials do not want to be the big part of the game, the big narrative or the storyline in these playoff games. So if that continues on, I'd expect the Chiefs to continue their physical play. Hey, Herbie, is there an injury update on Frank Clark? The only thing that Andy Reid said after the game was, Frank point out this gives him the extra time to get healthy. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with him on the other end of the wild card weekend. Okay. All right. So um, Andy asked a good question. Uh, where does Hardman fit in with Tony looking like he's taking that role? Uh, you guys touched on it a little while ago in terms of uh, maybe the way they're going to, they would bring McColl back. Uh, but once he is back and then, uh, let's say they win a playoff game. They're playing in the AFC Championship, and McColl's got his his legs under him and everything. How, how do you how do you use both of those guys? And it, it's the eternal question, right? Ever since the Chiefs got Tony, it's what wide receiver is is going to uh, is going to lose uh, repetitions, and I, we still don't know the answer to that question. I think honestly, McColl's a more I mean, I hate to say this. I think McCall's a more complete player than Kadarius is right now because Kadarius came in midseason. So, again, it seems like the Chiefs have, like, a subset of the playbook for Kadarius. Like, you learn these certain plays. We will run these over and over. And when you're in, you're probably going to get the football. That's what we saw today out there. And even Patrick Holmes kind of commenting that, like, okay, now he's even involved in some plays where he's not the main guy and still blocking and doing those things. So they're still implementing him in. Again, he missed some time with – the injury uh, that they said with the hamstring, I talked to Kadarius in the locker room. Uh, he, he didn't make it sound like he was very hurt over that time. Maybe it was kind of a Chiefs ramp-up period. Uh, there was some talk on the ESPN broadcast about potentially getting his lower body strengthened and getting his win more. So uh, kind of interesting to, to hear that play out. But to me, McCall Hardman, he's been a guy that's run the whole offense. You know what I mean? Like he runs different routes for them. He obviously has had those pop passes that has been successful with, the same thing that uh, some of those uh, jet sweeps that Kadarius Tony has run too. But it just seems to me like like McCall Hardman, when he gets back, can do more of the playbook, do more for the Chiefs when he's out there. The question, though, is how Andy Reid always treats these things, which is usually those guys that are injured get ramped up. And that was why potentially this game could have been important for McCall just to get out there, 
five snaps or 10 snaps and, and to kind of get your legs under you and get the coach's faith back in you. So uh, right now, you know, I think it's between those two guys. I mean, they, they play different roles on the Chiefs offense, but uh, it kind of goes back to the versatility we talk about. Like when the Chiefs only had four receivers that they were comfortable with today, they put more tight ends on the field. When they have Canaries Tony available, they up his snaps and McCormick and Sky Moore aren't in there. So I just think right now they're in a really enviable position. They take the, the pieces they have, they kind of knead it all together into a big dough and they throw it out there and usually the pizza's pretty good. So uh, that's probably what you're looking at with McCall Hardman. He probably can do more of the offense than what Kandarius does, but Andy Reid's just going to take what he has and, and use the ingredients and so far so good with that recipe so far this season. And they didn't uh, have a, you know, have a giveaway, which is, which is huge. Um, uh, they didn't have a Carl Cheffers 10 penalties, uh, which is huge. So it was just an, all around well-played game by the chiefs. I think if there was a, a, a key play, uh, it was uh, the fourth and two that the Raiders had at the, was it fourth and goal with the, I think it was fourth and goal with the two, right. In the, in the uh, second quarter, early in the second quarter. And uh, Jared Stidham threw the incomplete pass because Jer- because Chris Jones uh, had shed his block and forced Stidham into the, into the bad throw. And I forgot who the, Defender was on the play in the end zone, but also made a good play. Was it, it that was that was Jalen Watson. That was the play that Sam was talking about. Maybe on another day, it's pass interference, but I think because the previous one was not, that one couldn't be. So, gotcha. Again, very physical coverage from him, but uh, in the end, he made the play. Yep. Um, and so that leads me into the Chris Jones. Let's 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 get to him. Uh, he was my Casey star of the game, and uh, to, for you know we we were all looking at. Uh, what, what Patrick Mahomes had to do to reach miles, statistical milestones, what Travis Kelsey had to do. And it turns out the guy who reached a pretty important milestone was Chris Jones with two and a half sacks, got him up to 15 and a half, which, uh, which matches a career best. That was in 28, 20, I forgot what year it was, 2018 maybe. Um, but he set an NFL record with that year with uh, at least one sack in, in 11 straight games. I, I, I think he's, I think he's as good as it gets at defensive tackle right now. And with him in, with him in the middle or when they line him up outside, um, it, it, to me it gives me hope that this defense can be good enough uh, to help him win playoff games. And I haven't always felt that way about this team this season. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I think those were my biggest questions even going into the season was whether or not this defensive line could make big plays. And, look, maybe this is a little bit unfair, but I still have questions going into the postseason because the history has not been great. And I even asked Chris Jones about that, and he seems to take personal responsibility for the way last year ended because he thought he had he could have made a couple of plays on Joe Burrow. I think he's less um, willing to accept that his overall playoff record is really bad beyond that game. He's played 12, he's, yeah, he's played 12 career playoff games. He's never had a sack in the postseason. I don't know that the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl if Chris Jones goes four straight games without a sack against really good competition. So, yeah, I, I still, you know, like I said, maybe it's a little bit unfair, but um, I'm still I'm still in the the prove it phase with with the defensive line. I think they've got to do it against the teams that they haven't done it against historically, and the Bengals being being a uh, top that list. Okay, hey, let's wrap it up here. I know you guys still have work to do. So, um, 
uh, Chiefs win. They're the number one seed. If the Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots next week, then uh, or tomorrow, I'm sorry, tomorrow, they'll be the two seed. And then there's a possibility of the Chiefs and Bills winning their divisional round games and playing a AFC championship game at a neutral site that we pretty much are sure now that it won't be Indianapolis, won't be Detroit, um, could be. And of course, this was part of the broadcast today. Uh, Mark Davis has invited uh, the AFC championship game to be played in Las Vegas. And if that's the case, um, I think you guys just stay out there, maybe cover the divisional round game from there. <laughs> And, uh, and 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 do the advance work as we used to call it. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, as as it is, you're you're not coming back till Wednesday this week anyway, I believe. So uh, good good on you. Well, Her- Herbie with the bye, Herbie has extended his his stay until the following Saturday. Now he'll be back at Arrowhead on the the following Sunday. <laughs> okay, and probably come in behind the traffic that day as well. So <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, you guys, get back to it. Great conversation, great questions and comments. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, Join us again on Thursday when we talk about the bye week and we'll have the full playoff bracket available in both the AFC and the NFC. Um, We'll have plenty to discuss and plenty to gripe about and fret about and be excited about with this Chiefs team. That'll do it for today. Thanks to George Howard for producing the podcast and the live stream and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope, Jesse Newell, and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition has you covered on everything about the NFL playoffs. Tonight's Georgia TCU game for the college football championship, golf, tennis, soccer, NBA, NHL, all of it. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports BKC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. <laughs>